Next, I'd like to introduce. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? That boy is good. Good and terrible. You hold your breath when Shaquille O'Neal comes careening into your lap. Well, he's going to give a little special greeting to Daniel Baldwin right here. This brothers should have a boxing match against the Baldwin brothers. Really? We'll take them out in the first round. Who would you take on? I'm Youngest, I'm medium, old. On all three of them, actually. Now that I really think, yeah, I wouldn't need any help. I think you two dudes are going to become real homies. Where do we find these guys? Oh, man, I hate those guys. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey! And welcome to the big show. I wasn't used to that jolt in my headphones. What, was that a jolting to you? Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't used to that kind of. I saw this Tony Robbins thing about how you know you start your day and you extend your arms and you let out these howls and all this other stuff. I kind of like it. Yeah, no, like it. it's a good way to get the show started. I do, I do. I like to go in with it. Uh, as you may notice, the fabulous Larry Dickman, who doesn't like to be touched, which is why I'm going to touch him. Uh, is back with us today. Josh is. What does Josh do? He's on vacation. I think just. I think Josh just took the day off. Yeah. What does Josh do on a vacation? Anyone? Ask him on Monday. He's back on Monday. Just ask what he did. I have no idea. But I, I don't believe it's going to be a long list. I think it's going to be couch, couch, and more couch. I really do. I have that strange. You know, suspicion. that doesn't sound like a terrible day off, does it? No, no. I guess. Well, I don't know. Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you Larry for getting that reference. Can... He just took one himself, didn't he? Uh, where's Paulie? He is on his way down to Georgetown, SU Georgetown. He gets this to go to the game. Yeah, well, that's why he's got another. He's got to work. Yeah, unbelievable. He's got to plug stuff in. He's very important. <laughs> <laughs> reaction from you, SU football offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Sean Lewis is a strong candidate for the head coaching job at Kent State. Lewis has been with Dino Babers at Bowling Green and Eastern Illinois. Seth. What's the impact of this guy being the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach leaving at this time during recruiting, especially? Well, it, it would have to be important, right? Uh, you know, the, the the recruits are allowed to sign on the dotted line starting Wednesday. There's a there's a two week period starting Wednesday, uh, so I, I would imagine some of these kids have been recruited by Sean Lewis. I, I would imagine he's the guy going out and making these kinds of moves, and you know, on the field, uh, just look at what Eric Dungy's done, right? And and look how good that quarterback position's played. Uh, for everything you've got to know about what he's done so far. I would think that this shakes him up a little bit. If I'm Dungy and I come back after this injury, they decide to sit him when he probably could have played the last game, but what sense would that make to have gotten him injured more? Um, you know, I think this has got to have an effect on him, you know, coming back with a guy, with somebody. You know, it's kind of like uh, I was trying to think of an analogy when I was thinking about this scenario. It's kind of like when your mom and dad get divorced and three years later your mom shows up at a family function with a date. <laughs> Is Dino going to show up with a new date and the kids are going to have to approve? Doesn't he have to? He has if, to. If the guy leaves, you've got to fill unless, that Unless position. he's going to head coach an offensive coordinator, which I guess isn't unheard of. Right, he could. He could call the plays, but... But I think this shakes them up, and I certainly think it has to hurt them from a recruitment standpoint. I get why Lewis, you know, he wants every every you know coordinator wants to eventually be the head coach. Is this a demotion in some ways, even though he's no, head coach to go no, I don't down think to so. Kent State? I don't think so, because even if you look at Dino Babers, he was at Baylor, which is a Big 12 school, right? Big program, and, and they had a lot of success. And, and then he left to go to Eastern Illinois. That's an even right. further level down. So right. I don't think it's a demotion. Okay. All right, so he's going to Kent State. 
and uh, Syracuse is going to hell in a handbasket. They're in trouble. <laughs> so I'm going to miss if Sean Lewis does leave. I'm going to miss all the Drake gifts that he tweets out after he pulls a recruit. Have you heard of these? No, Have you seen these it? yet? What is it? So college coaches aren't allowed to like say, "Hey, I got this kid," right? right. Like you're not allowed to say that until they sign the paper and fax it in. So when the coaches go out and they recruit somebody, they like send out these cryptic tweets. And Sean Lewis used to always send out gifts of like uh, Drake from like his Hotline Bling music video. <laughs> <laughs> like that was like his thing. Wow, you dropped the bomb on me. Um, I'll have to find him in the break for you. So, uh, and this uh, this segues me into, uh, I listened to you earlier today. I, I do, um, I don't know if you realize, I do listen oh, to you, you quite a bit. I do, and I enjoy your show. Um, so I, I got to ask, when you, we were talking about the kid, you guys were talking about somebody today, a kid who was with, signed with Rutgers, I believe, or, or no, he didn't sign. He gave his verbal commitment, and now he has decided to switch gears. He has withdrawn his verbal, and it looks like he's going to go to Indiana, I believe. Yeah, uh, Stevie Scott, local kid, goes to CBA. Okay. So, well, and, and, and your point about the fact that you want to keep these kids home, you know, now he's going even further away. He's going to Indiana. Why he's going to Indiana is beyond me. But then I started thinking about it. And some of the things that that you have to consider, too, are it's not just the kid that's in that room. It's his parents. Yep. And if his parents have any kind of a football IQ, they're looking at a few factors. Number one, what division is the kid going to go play in? What, what division college football-wise? And that's a factor. Absolutely. That's, 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 it's definitely a factor. You would hope that the next thing I wrote down would be important, although when it comes to college athletics, it is not always at as high the list as I put it, which is the education value. What does a kid want to study? Yep. Is, uh, many of them are using it as a stepping stone, and, and a lot of my list reflects this. Are they going to play at the next level? What's the corny line that they have in their commercial in their commercials? <laughs> Most of us go pro in, in something other than sports. Right, that, exactly. that cheesy line, it's true. Exactly. exactly. So from, from a playing standpoint, you're looking at, are they a national title contender? Um, does this team get extensive television coverage? What is the offensive scheme? So, And remember, the reason why I think that that's very important is, if you're a star running back and you're going to a team that, that, that has an offense that's a run-and-shoot offense, you don't want to go to that university. No. You're, you're not, not going to get to run the ball a lot. They're going to wing it up, and you're the quarterback and a wide receiver that wants to go to that school, but you're not. So the offensive scheme, absolutely, or the defensive scheme, for that matter, if you're a defensive player. The head coach and the staff are a very, very important portion of the list. Um, I also think, believe it or not, the Alumni Association is a huge component. When you go to an Alabama when you go to one of the football factories, the University of Miami, these people have graduates that went that have become successful that contribute large amounts of money and events and and the and the, um, the the things that circle around the actual football program, which are huge, huge factors in legal and illegal activity that go on in college sports. The state, There's illegal activity. Some well, some of who would have thought. Some some of these some of these kids actually receive illegal grants and money. No way. No, I I'm hurt. I heard it. I, no, I heard no it. Way. Not up here. Of that course. never happens. Never hear it as you. The stadium and the facilities. 
I think are huge when they when they take them on the the NCAA allows you six trips for any particular sport that are, that is paid for by the university for you to come, uh, and and so they want to walk them around if they've got a nice stadium, which is a saving grace for Syracuse because although the weather, which I put up as a as a higher component, is not as much a factor when it comes to playing because we're one of the few universities that has a dome, which is which is a big factor when you're playing in the East. Uh, I think the history of the university. I think the history and the legacy of the university and the reputation of the university is a big, 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 big thing. But now, the more important questions, which is why I think you're seeing some of these kids that have made verbal commitments take it back and go somewhere else, is the other players in your position that are being recruited, particularly the grade above you, the kids that are freshmen now. So if you've got a kid and your son is a running back in upstate New York, and he's, I mean, a record setter. He's one of the highest recruited kids. But Penn State last year took the Pennsylvania rushing champion. This kid is one grade ahead of your son, and the chances of your kid playing his junior, your sophomore, junior year are not very good if this kid doesn't get hurt because he's already in the lineup a year before you. So unless your kid is dramatically better than him, the kid that got recruited the year before you has a year edge on him learning the system and also playing while. You weren't, you weren't eligible to play. So now you're put into a red shirt situation where you're going to stay at the university for five years and hope that they don't recruit somebody behind you. So the, the, the common recruitment of people in your position is a huge, huge factor in determining where you want to go to school. Absolutely. And, and isn't that also a, a huge factor in, in uh, when we see transfers? Right, because you sign up and you say, "Hey, I'm going to go play here only for the next year." They, you know, if, if you're the star quarterback who goes and, and comes to Syracuse, and then the next year they they go get the better quarterback in, in that year's class. Well, all of a sudden, when are you playing? Well, right. I, so I, I think that yeah, that, that's a big factor in you know first committing, and then once you're here, if you decide to stay at a school. Well, absolutely, and I think too that that plays into into some of the stuff that's going on now, the shuffling that's going on in the NFL, which is why I alluded to. I think. Philadelphia signs Colin Kaepernick. I think they get him for one reason. Romo's not coming out of the booth no. to back somebody up. He's not doing that. I now, don't think he's coming out of the booth at all. I, I, I don't either, but I'm saying there's certainly no way he's coming coming out of the booth to back somebody up. Now, if Foles gets hurt in the third quarter of their next game, now you might see, do you want to come quarterback the Philadelphia Eagles and possibly win a Super Bowl? That could possibly happen. That I could see happening for sure for Tony Romo, the allure of actually winning a Super sure. Bowl. That's a possibility. But when it comes to Kaepernick and how this relates to the, the kid that's going into college and being recruited is he needs to get back in the game. He's only got X amount of years left. And I'm, and I'm, hit, ooh, I'm hitting the mute you keep button. Hitting the, you keep hitting <laughs> <laughs> the first time you did it, Joe and I gave a look to you. Larry. Sorry, Larry gave us gave a look, and we were just like, yeah, well, "What's I'm, happening?" And then we noticed your. I'm your emphasizing papers. and hitting the mute button <laughs> because nothing I say is really relevant or important. So don't worry. Um, At least you're doing it to yourself, and it's not Larry cutting I, you I, off. I, I, yeah, you, there would have been all kinds of crap going on if Larry had hit the button. He's hit the button. He's he's poised to hit the red button on me before. He is, when the subject yes. matter gets a little risque, he decides that he got he's fast on the button, isn't he? I think the finger was on the button uh, uh, yesterday when, when we had the guest caller. We weren't sure. Were you worried about? Oh, oh, oh we, the guy, yeah. He we, was weren't sure about a, we weren't sure. He was a little unpredictable. Larry's dependable on the button, though. How much is the time delay do you have before you have to execute the button? 10 seconds. You have 10 seconds? Yeah. So you know after you're not he on says mic, it, right? after he says it, you can whack that. Yeah. You, you got the time. I don't care. <laughs> He's on camera now. He's yeah, an he on, is. He's an on-camera personality. He doesn't care. I think the level of commitment and the promises that are made by the coaching staff, and I've seen guys where this 
He's coming. <laughs> <laughs> we pointed out to Larry that he was on camera, and he promptly put his foot on. And he just became a crip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just became a crip. Oh man, that's terrible. I'm gonna wear my blue bandana tomorrow. Um, so so let me tell you, uh, uh, how much time do we have before the break? We got a couple minutes. We're okay, good. Great. Do you remember the name Bobby Sablehouse? You might be too young. No, to I, I don't remember the name. So this kid was the all-time Maryland leading quarterback. You can look him up. Probably come up to that's what I was story. doing. Uh, and so he, I was there to see one of the greatest recruiting moments. In the history of college football. So Spurrier wants him really bad. And Spurrier's the head coach at Florida. And I know Steve. And I'm living in the guest house at the Sable Houses while I'm shooting a TV series in Baltimore. So I rented their guest house, which was, which was nicer than any house I probably <laughs> ever owned. These people definitely had some money. And so this kid, he had a Bernie Kosar kind of sidearm delivery. But he shattered every record. And, and Spurrier tells me, I want this kid. So great. So I tell the Sable Houses what a great guy Steve is. And I didn't tell anything that wasn't true. He's a wonderful man and a great coach. And so he takes his trip down there. So, you know, they see the facilities. They take him around. He's in the stadium. They turn the lights. You know, the whole bit to try to land the kid. But the following thing that Spurrier was able to do is unlike any other college coach that I knew that's had a successful program. And that was... They get back to the house. We're going to have coffee and tea and some cake at the Spurrier residence. Right. And he turns around. He puts his arm on Bobby and he says, Bobby, I want to show you something. And he slides these two doors open to his office and he has a remote. And he takes the remote out of his pocket and he hits it. And in a cube, a glass cube, is Spurrier's 1963 Heisman Trophy. And it has four laser LED lights that hit from each corner of the lower portion of it and shine and illuminate this cube in this pitch black room. I mean, it was something like out of the movies, man. It sounds There's, like, like if it weren't, if it weren't like coolest trophy ever, it, it sounds like a Bond villain type it, it, thing. Right? You, totally, you walk in, the doors totally. slide open, you push a button and it lights up he, the middle he, of the he room. Had, he had a thing in his pocket, ready for this moment, obviously. It's incredible. And he clicks it and poosh, there goes the Heisman. And he has his hand on his shoulder and he goes, Bobby, one day we're going to get you one of them Heisman trophies, son. And the kid, that was over. He would have slit his wrist and signed that contract with his own blood when he saw that Heisman trophy. How many done. kids do you think that worked on? Well, he, he was, like everybody, right? I mean, how do you turn that down? The know. guy won a Heisman, and he has it. And you see, and you're you're a, a record-breaking quarterback, and you see the ultimate prize for a quarterback or any athlete in college football, yeah. the Heisman trophy. And yeah. he signed. Oh, yeah, he signed. signed. Oh, he, I would. I would. They destroyed, I, they know, destroyed him. They tried to change his throwing motion. He ended up, up going somewhere else, and he went to West Virginia, and he washed out there. And you know, I I Google the name, and the first link that pops up, uh, uh, Bobby Sablehouse, the patron saint of recruiting busts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> so, try to he, because of that sidearm thing. They tried to get him to throw. They leaned him against a wall and made him throw things from here here, so he couldn't throw him sidearm. And they they wanted to change the delivery so he could throw over larger offensive linemen, and it destroyed him. You know, uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of really good trash talking coaches. Steve Spurrier's at the top of the list. Oh right? yeah, he's 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 God. Yeah, there's one. There's one. There they asked him. They said something like there there was a fire on the Tennessee campus, and he was like, you know, the, there there's a fire and it burned uh, burned down the library. The the uh, uh, lost all the books. The the sad part is half of them weren't colored yet. 
That sounds like a He's just great. He is great. I can't get enough of that. He's great. South Carolina misses him. No <laughs> Absolutely. Doubt. Why don't we take our first break? Text line 315-288-0644. Phone number 315-437-7644. Of course, we're on Facebook Live and on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. The Crunch put their nine-game winning streak on the line tonight against the Providence Bruins. Join us for Countdown at Crunch Time at 645 and then the puck drop at 7 on ESPN Radio. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now, Thursday Night Football, Broncos 25, Colts 13. The collapsing Colts, one loss from NFL history. Nine times they have taken the lead into halftime. Seven times they have blown that lead. They are now one blown game away from the NFL record, Seth. That's incredible. That's really unbelievable. That's incredible. What a terrible distinction. But, but, what do you think? Wouldn't you think? By the way, uh, you know they they haven't had their quarterback all year, right? Wouldn't you think that any team more than more than any other team in the league, the Colts would know how important like a backup quarterback is? Because when they had when they didn't have Peyton Manning, they they lost every game. But but you know, and that's the back to the Philadelphia story is that you should learn as another team to watch what's happened there and think to yourself if you're poised to win the NFC or you've won the NFC East. Right. And you're poised to, to be the NFC favorite, and maybe even the Super Bowl favorite. You know, it's gonna. It looks like New England. I'd say New Orleans, who I think is my favorite. Um, but at, at any rate, I really like you, New Orleans this year. I do too. I I, I know Stradanielled them as the winner of the Super Bowl okay. f- five weeks ago. Oh, uh, looking I call, good. I, I called it early. Looking good there. Um, but, Can but, I tell you a secret? Tell me. Did not watch a single second of that game last night. Didn't watch a single second nope. of it. I tell you what, I watched the first half. And in the first half, again, they were losing Denver. And I, I turned it off. I went, Denver's definitely going to win the game. My wife looked at me because, no, they're losing. I went, they're going to win. Don't worry. And I, I, I mean, you could just yeah. see the momentum switching. After their quarterback, Denver's quarterback, scrambled uh, into the end zone and scored on like an 18 yard. He dove into the end zone at the very end, but he was pretty much untouched. I went, they're dead. They're dead. No quarterback who can't barely run the ball. Scores from eighteen out. I mean, it looks was, like a giraffe. He does. He looks six like, foot eight. He looks like a giraffe. Yeah. So, so here's what here's what what, what, I, what I want to talk about with you, and I want to ask you: What are these teams playing for? The Broncos are five and nine. The Colts are three and eleven. Shouldn't they be doing some of the things that other teams have been criticized for? I mean, I don't think you should have benched Manning um, with the Giants. I think you should have let him start it and continued the streak. But you do have to take a look at some of your other players. Is it cleanup time for these teams where they're just looking around and trying to set some momentum, or are they trying to win the games for pride? I don't know. That, that's a great question. I have no idea. Like, what what do you have to play for other than pride? Like, if you're the Cleveland Browns right now, like, what are you doing? Right. Well, that's what my my point. Okay, so. I'm well. I'm thinking on teams, particularly where they've got young talent that hasn't taken many snaps, and they got. I think you got to get those guys in the game. Yeah. I think you got to see what they can do in game conditions, and really take a look at what it is you're looking for. Who's going to retire? Who's getting a little long in the tooth? Where are you injured? And start running some different uh, uh, personnel in and out of the game, so you know what you're looking for in the off season. I right. would do that. I would absolutely do that. Right? Doesn't it? Do, isn't it a little bit different depending on which team you are? Like if you're the Giants, you might want to not play Eli so you see if you have a quarterback or, or whatever it might be. If you're the Colts and you traded for a young quarterback, but your quarterback may or may not be coming back, you just kind of have to like play it out, right? And, and if you're the Browns and you're terrible and you think you may have a couple of good pieces, 
then you're just like, okay, let's see if these guys can do anything. And, you know, let's yes. see who's not going to get replaced. But look at the running back. Who's the running back from Miami, from the Miami Dolphins who played, uh, he was backup at Alabama. Kenyon he, Drake. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and look what he's doing. You know, so so there's a guy. You didn't even see this guy hardly play because he was behind Ingram and in, in, right. in, in, at Alabama. So, and this guy is turning out to be a great running back. He he's going to do some damage in this league, I think. Yeah. Does so, that tell you how deep Alabama is, by the way? Yeah, it does. It does. It does like this guy who barely played for four years at Alabama comes out and he's having a great year. Right. Right. Why didn't he go to Kent State? I don't know. He <laughs> <laughs> should have gone to Kent State. We're gonna go to break. Yeah. Got to hit a break. We got uh, George Gervin. One of the 50 George, greatest players. the Iceman Gervin, one of my old dear friends, uh, tw- over 25 points a game for over a decade in the NBA. One of the 50 greatest players of all time in the NBA will be my guest and Seth's guest, along with Larry, after this break. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now, and welcome back. Dial it up, Larry. So we're going to get George Gervin on the line right now. We're going to call the Iceman direct to his cell. He's in Atlanta. He didn't give me a lot of details. He was on. Uh, he was on TNT last night. Was he? Was he calling yeah. the game? Uh, on the the studio, studio with Kevin what Garnett and what is going on over there? You don't know, man. We're just calling <laughs> the Iceman up right now. <laughs> Are we right there, Larry? Larry. All right, Larry. so we got him online. It sounds like we're, we're done. What if we get a voicemail? I don't hear a ring. Here what it comes. If, what if we get a voicemail? Will you leave a voicemail? This man is one of the greatest, Hello. smoothest basketball players of all time. Not to mention the fact that he's taken a lot of my cash on the golf course. Ice, are you there? <laughs> What's going on, Dad? What's happening, brother? <laughs> <laughs> What you doing, man? Man, I'm doing an ESPN show. I went back to sports. Nobody wants to hire me in movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they kept saying, Alec, you look like you put on some weight. <laughs> <laughs> what are you well, doing you know, in Atlanta, older, man? man? When you get older, man, you know you put on some little weight, man. I just put on about 50 pounds. Did you really? Well, you know, you weren't exactly a, a, a Roman pillar of manhood when you were when you were playing. You were like six, six, eight, one eighty. What do you? What were you playing at? Yeah, one eighty five, man. That's what I played at my whole career. Did you? Man, that smooth ass finger roll ice. Woo. I, used to, I loved it, man. I used to love to watch you play, my friend. You know that. You know how much I love you. Oh, my man, that's my man. What are you doing? What are you up to down there? What are you doing in Atlanta? You were calling the game last night with with uh, Garnett, no? Yeah, well, you know, we was here at Area Twenty One, man. We had a, he had a Legends crew. It was me, Oscar, Bernard King, Doctor J, and Lisa Leslie. We was all hanging out, uh, you know, Area Twenty One. I never told you my Lisa Leslie story. Uh-uh. I'm playing in that NBA Entertainment League, and we're we're doing it. We're at uh, 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 the Palace in Auburn Hills, and and so they did a, a a trifecta. You could watch the NBA Entertainment League game, and then you watch the ABA the uh, um, the the girls teams, the WNBA, and then you ended up for one ticket, and you could then watch the Pistons play. So I got uh, uh, damn, who was guarding me that day? 
um, um, I'll think of it in a minute, but I'm coming down and I see Lisa Leslie and she's lacing up because we're, we're like late in the fourth quarter and I'm dribbling the ball and I got to be a good five steps outside the NBA three-point ring. I looked at her, I said, man, you're Lisa Leslie. And she looked at me and she says, how you doing? How you doing, Mr. Baldwin? And I said, I said, man, I'm a big fan of yours. I said, and so whoever was guarding me, uh, it was, I think it was Roger Lodge and Roger Lodge gives me a push and he goes, come on, Baldwin. And I go, I said, take it easy, Roger. It's Monday morning. You know what happens on Monday morning, don't you? And he goes, no. And I flick around and shoot a 30-footer and hit it off the glass, drop it in for three. And I looked at Lisa Leslie and I went, banks open on Monday, baby. And I ran down the court. <laughs> now, I could have shot that shot 60 more times and not even hit the backboard. But when the money was there, you know I stuck it, Ice. Oh, my man. <laughs> what are you up to, man? You're doing, you're doing a lot of uh, motivational speaking. Well, you know, man, I got my own charter school. I had charter school in San Antonio for 21 years, and I opened one up five years ago in Phoenix. And so, you know, I do that. You know, we still work in the front office with the Spurs, and I still do, you know, stuff for the NBA. So I stay busy, man. I mean, I, you know, I don't do as much to where I can't play golf. You know, but you know, I, I you know, I still do stuff, man. I mean, you know, you got to do something. Yeah, you got to keep busy, Ice. You've always been busy, though. Yeah, man. You got to do something, man. But I enjoy it, man. You know, I done graduated about a thousand kids from my school, you know, the George Gervin Academy. And, you know, that's the thrill, I mean, to see that you're having an impact on some young people's lives. So, kind of, you know, been excited about that for a long time, man. So, I, I'm doing good, man. I, you know, I'm still in San Antonio and not going anywhere. I kind of love it down there. So, well, that's, your, that, that's your city. Every time I go to that airport, I sit in your restaurant, I look over, I go, I'm giving more of my money to Iceman. I'm giving more of my money to Iceman. It doesn't stop. If you fly, if you fly southwest, man, you can't miss the uh, Gervin Sports Bar. Nope. That's right. And I fly southwest back and forth to L.A. Hey, I'm with I'm with my co-host, Seth, and Seth's got a question for you. Go ahead, yeah, Seth. Yeah, I got, I got a sports nerd out here for a second. You played with 22... 22- <laughs> You played with 22-year-old Dr. J and 22-year-old Michael Jordan. I won't ask which one was a better teammate, so which one was more fun to watch on a nightly basis? Well, I mean, it was Doc because I was young when I joined the Squires with him. You know, I was his rookie, so, you know, Doc was Mr. ABA. And so, you know, I was more in awe, you know, when I, when I played with him. You know, I, I was a veteran when I played with Michael. So, you know, I'm on my way out and he's on his way in. So what I saw in him, I saw a drive of, you know, love of the game that was scary. You know, I knew he was going to be good. I just didn't know he was going to be as good as he turned out to be, you know. So started with Doc and I finished with Mike, man. So I that was pretty good for me, man, to see that greatness uh, and be that close to it. And let me tell you something. You know I know both of them well. And if you were to sit down and you were to ask either one of them to name the three greatest players they ever played with, you're on both of those lists. You know that, don't you? <laughs> That's my man. That's my you're, man. <laughs> you're, you're, on, you're on both of those those men's lists. And, and, and I know them both personally very well. I spoke to Julius just the other day. Um, he's doing all right, man. He's doing good, Julius. You saw him this weekend? Yeah, I saw Doc, man, just yesterday, man. Doc doing good, man. You know, Doc hit his golf ball, too, man. So, Doc doing good, man. I've seen Doc play. He can't beat you in golf. No, no, Doc. No, Doc hit that thing about 220 off the tee, man. I be saying, Doc, 
need some more clubs, man. I mean, yeah, he's not that old. He's got to get some new equipment. <laughs> but I told him, they got to get the do a quick, man. <laughs> but, you know, man, I, you know, Ball, when we do that three-on-three in the summer, did you see any of that three-on-three uh, that Ice Cube uh, produced um, this summer? I saw I saw that. I, I got on, uh, I was speaking with Kiki Vandeweer the other day, and, uh, and, and so we got the commissioner on the phone, and I said, Adam, what's the problem, man? I haven't played in the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game yet. I said, how long are you going to hold me out? So they both penciled me in. They said, I'm coming to L.A., and I'm the big, fat 57-year-old is going to be dropping them from three-point land left and right. <laughs> you going to come, huh? You going to do it. You know I got that stroke still, Doc. You know I got it. <laughs> I can stick it, Ice. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll see you there. I know you'll be there. I'm going to go. I'm going to start practicing with Kiki. He's going to be my shooting coach. He can stick it, too. Oh, man. He's another guy don't get enough credit for his ability to put that ball in the basket, man. Kiki, man, was smooth, man. I mean, Kiki gets dirty on you real quiet, man. And, you know, man, that just goes to, you know, kind of show you, man. Like, you know, I played against Alice English. Alice English is one of the guys, man, that got 2,000 points for seven years in a row, man. It ain't too many guys in the NBA history that did that, man. And you don't hear, you know, um, people or the media talking about a guy like him or Kiki, man. And for me, that's the sad part, man. I mean, you really just don't talk enough about that history. No, and do, and do you think it's because Alex did so much of it in Denver? You know, I mean, it's a small market. I mean, yeah, I know it's a small market, but yet it's still against other NBA players. You right, know what I mean? It's some of the greats. I mean, so, I mean, it may have something to do with it market-wise, man, but yet it's still a, if you look at the history and you look at the history of a lot of the greats, a lot of the greats didn't accomplish a lot of the things that he did as an individual basketball player. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I hear you, man. I I tell kids now, kids that walk into the garden and they're wearing Knicks jerseys, and I say, man, I was in here back to back nights, and Bernard King dropped forty five on Jordan, and then he dropped forty five, and they go, who? And I say, Bernard I King, I and, and, and they don't even know who Bernard King was. They don't even know who he was. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, I know. and I'll tell you I was what, with Bernard yesterday, man, and. And then Bernard came when we played, and I played against Bernard. He came in San Antonio, dropped 50. The next night he went to Dallas and dropped 50. Yeah, I mean, I, you don't know who Bernard King is? Nope, kid didn't know who Bernard King I said, you don't know about the Bernie and Ernie show, huh? I said, wow. Bernard would drive the basket and kick it out to Grunfeld. And Grunfeld, you know, they came out of that Tennessee Volunteers program. The two of them, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying Grunfeld was in the same league, but he complimented Bernard's game. Right, right. Yeah, it was great to right. watch, man. It was great to watch, my friend. Hey, so so I got two more things for you, Ice. Number okay. one, you look at the game, and I mean, you know, you're a man that played, you know, for many, many years and led the league in scoring and multiple times. What's changed in the game now compared to uh, 25 years ago? Well, I mean, they changed the game. I mean, you know, when I played, you could put your hands on you. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I can actually have guys put their hands on my hip and kind of stop my forward progress. You know, I mean, so rule-wise, that changed. You know, I mean, the big man, you know, you don't have 
big man in the game no more. I mean, that plays down underneath in the paint. You know, that changed in the game. Uh, zone, man, zone, man. I, I couldn't believe they brought in the zone in the NBA, man. I mean, it was unheard of. That was strictly for college. I mean, that changed. I mean, so a lot of things have changed, you know, in the league. The, the game is played. When I played, the game was played from outside, I mean, from inside out. Now the game is played from outside in, you know. So it's been a lot of changes, man. Now you can't touch guys, you know. I mean, put your hand on the guys a foul. I mean, so the game made a lot of changes, but you still got great basketball players playing in the game. Uh, and they making a lot of money. Yeah, they are making a lot of money. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Seth with a question. I'm gonna say one more thing to you though that I know after you made this comment, you're gonna agree with, and that is, I watched. I watched. I was at a game and I was watching Curry play, and there's no doubt about the kid can shoot. There's no doubt about it. So I'm watching him play, and I leaned over to my brother and I said, "You imagine if he tried to pull that in the garden." Imagine if he tried to pull that in the garden back in the days of Willis Reed. And I said, he'd have been flat on his back so fast. I said, there's, there's no way. Now he would not have been a threat to drive to the basket anymore because he knows what would happen if he came in the paint with that game. And they'd be able to tighten it up on him a little bit from outside. So, you know, you're right. The game of shapes, it's no longer a physical game. You can't play that Detroit Pistons bad boy defense anymore. Right, you know, you, you, right, you, you're not going to take right. that shot or you're going to the line every time. Seth, you have a question. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the, the the center play. What, what do you make of all these 7-3 guys and 7-footers who, who can dribble and shoot and, and do all all this crazy stuff that you know back back in your day that that was your job not not the center's job well you know i mean that's how the game has changed i mean you brought in and you see and most of them are europeans if you think about it you know because the europeans don't play with their back to the back so they shoot jump shots they can move i mean and and shoot jump jump shots see the four when i played was really the power forward see the four today they call them stretch fours Stretch fours meaning they could take you from the outside and beat you, you know. So you know the the, the, the type of player have changed since my days. I mean, and you know, I mean, the, the, the league is full of European players now. I mean, uh, so you know they had to make that adjustment, and I think that's why the zone is in. The zone is in because guys don't play with their back to the basket no more. So you put the zone in and make people have to shoot jump shots. Hmm. Interesting. Ice, what's the chances? Is San Antonio going to make a run at LeBron? I don't know, man. I mean. Come on, Ice. If anyone think, can get him, you can. I think Bron, I think LeBron coming to L.A., man. Yeah, it looks I like it. He's, LeBron, buying, he's buying some nice cribs. Know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's where, he, that's where he got his money at, man. I mean, think about it, uh, Daniel. I mean, to go out. A basketball in a market like LA, and he's into movies. I mean, he's into doing documentaries. I mean, what a, you know, I mean, just common sense. You know, he's headed, he's headed out to LA. I think it looks like he's going to LA too. But there, there are some scenarios that they're talking about. Would it be a, would it be his smarter move for him from a team standpoint to head to Houston? Because if you put him in there with Chris Paul and you put him in with Harden, now they could win a title right away. You know, man, he, he, how many titles have he won? Only, you know, a, only I mean, a couple, right? Three. Three, yeah. Three. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, he, he only got 
so much longer, you know what I mean? And what they doing in L.A., you know what I mean? You know, in L.A., man, they, you know, I just think it's a bigger picture for him. You know, he's a businessman now. You know, I mean, the, the career is about over. He's played 15 years. You know, I mean, you know, it's time to, you know, it's time to think where he's going to hang his hat and raise them babies. Right. You know, I mean, it's because sooner or later, man, you got to get up. Right. Is you that know? hard? Is that hard? Is that hard to do? Was that hard for you? It wasn't hard for me because, you know, I knew it was time. It seemed to be hard for the great ones, though, man. I mean, and, you know, just to get up, man. I mean, look how many of the guys that stayed around, man, that should have left. And I ain't got to mention no names. Right. You know, I mean, what y'all scared to go home to y'all wives and kids? You know, it's time. It's, you know, some, you know when it's time to, to go, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and then. Uh-oh. He like knew when it was time to go. Yeah, he knew when it was time to go. I knew when it was time to go. Understandable. Wow. Let's go to break. Let's go to break. You're listening to the the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio. We wrap up after this. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Eagles. Pre-game at noon. Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey, now. Welcome back. Syracuse basketball SU is a 7.5 point favorite on the road against Georgetown tomorrow. The Orange have the distinct ranking at 27 in the nation in their power ranking. And Georgetown is number 148. Syracuse at 8-1, Georgetown at 8-0. Seth, 148 power ranking. You know, this is exactly why Syracuse is a favorite as I listen to you talk about the pros and cons um, of Syracuse playing on the road but being a favorite against Georgetown. It's because Georgetown hasn't played anybody. Yeah, no, they, they've played absolutely nobody. They It's amazing, right? They're 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 undefeated. They're eight zero, but by the metrics that you you said one hundred forty eighth, I saw somewhere they're they're one hundred ninety seventh. It's amazing to to watch this, right? I mean, they're well, undefeated. You would think they would be better than that. Well, in driving in and listening to you uh, on the show earlier, I have to say I agree. I think if if Syracuse doesn't roll up on them. I mean, they need to beat the crap out of this team. This can't be a game that I heard this arm's length thing that was being talked about and, and staying, you know, with a, with, a, with a cushion. No, I think that Syracuse has to start to um, put opponents away. You can't afford to have that uh, Middle Tennessee State game like they did in football. You can't afford because the difference between them going to the tournament or not are going to be whether they make sure Georgetowns go down. They have right. to. They, they 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 can't mess around. So I want to see that that kill gear. You know, I want to see that that gear where that they, killer instinct. Yeah, man. I want to see when they can just put the sword and drive it in. You know, this not slash 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 and wait for you know a bloodletting here. You don't want death by paper cut. No, I don't want death by paper cut. I want I want I want a lopping of a head. You know, I want it to come right off, right off the shoulders. And they've only had one of those, two of those this year so far. They they beat Cornell by thirty two points. They beat Oakland by twenty four, and that's really it. And those are the only games that were really big. Well, they haven't wins. played anybody. Um, you know, you can say UConn was a little bit of a contest. Certainly, Kansas, where I agree with you, there were moments when it didn't look like 
you know, certainly they shouldn't have been on the floor with them. But uh, you know, they they got they were handled. Kansas let them stay just arm length. Yes. They didn't. They didn't really put the put the knife to their throat when they needed to. But but and that may be a testimonial to that Syracuse can hang in a tough game. But these games, as we progress now, there was a lot of talk about um, uh, whether the center play would be, you know, you get into foul trouble in the show earlier and everything. I think it comes down to this. We went from 16.7% three-point shooting. Then we went to 23%. We have been terrible at shooting the ball. We have to shoot the ball. We need one of those 42% games, yep. you know, and start getting that number up into the high 30s and low 40s and keep it there. And then you're going to see that we're going to be up a lot of people for sure yeah if this team could shoot the three well if this team could shoot at, at a 37 percent three-point rate you take that and you run because oh, yeah. that would be a great rate for this team it would be a really good team if they can do that yeah for sure and that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for them to break out the great they break out all right that does it for us on today's <laughs> show uh again tomorrow syracuse and georgetown if you missed any of the show it'll be up on espn syracuse.com Shortly, the interview with George Gervin, the Iceman, one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history, already up. Check it out on our website. And uh, Brent X coming up next.